Want to watch us in high definition? Click on the Watch in HD link below the player and notice the difference. You are watching VidGoal. And now... From Icon. This is the Congoer. Features. Hello and welcome. I'm going to give a briefing on the... Uh... <laughs> so, what a, what a convention. Have you guys been here for the whole, the whole time, everybody? Yeah? What outlets here are represented? I guess what podcasts? What uh, what blogs? Pacific um, County College School. Cool. Cool. Bigle.com. Which? Bigle.com. Bigle.com. Oh. And that means it's like Google but Vidgal, that kind of thing? It's a video podcast, yeah. Nice. Okay. Anybody else? Rowan.com, which is sort of catch-all Nice. Catch-all. I'm not, I don't play that hard to get. Let's <laughs> focus on some of the core Cadillac fandoms like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and Harry Potter. We were in second billing on that one. I like that. Uh, anybody else? No? So it's basically you three. You, you three are basically the, uh, the, who my focus is. Okay, well, this place is awesome. It's really cool. I mean, it's a perfect... I, I was, we were just walking through the hall and looking at all the um, incredible photographs of athletes and um, cultural... There's one lovely woman dancing with this flowing uh, clothes. And I sort of thought, I wonder if any of the, you know, normal college athletes, you know, the, the kind of, you know, uh, full-time college athletes, that are, if they were to see the convention <laughs> ears uh, making their way around through on top of the uh, facilities, if they would think they had, uh, you know, died and gone into some alternate reality <laughs> because it's quite um, it's quite spectacular the way people express themselves I find and um, yeah and it's somewhat different it, there, I've actually in the, some of the uh, oh, Q&A's yesterday or the panel discussions I talked about how and I never really talked about this before but how athletes and sports fans are a lot like um, convention goers I mean it's obviously different but there is among the, the you know, the, the athleticism and the, uh, of, of combat and all the different kinds of swords and, you know, I haven't seen ninjas walking around, but you do see a lot of, <laughs> a lot of other kind of medieval weapons of all repute. So, um, so yeah, and, there, and you know, it's, it's people gravitate towards each other when they have similar interests. So, well, what, do you have any questions? Do you have anything I could sort of extemporaneously, yeah? Well, I just wanted to finish what you were saying there, too. I, I think that's very true, but these people go to a football game, like, fully in paint and everything and throw back 25 years and spend the whole day doing that, and then they, um, You know the big difference? Yeah. These people have read more. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically, they, they call us, like, geeks and losers and stuff like that for devoting our time towards doing this stuff. You guys are just as bad. But you call them jocks and, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's just... I think we ought to have a, a, a final war once and for all. You guys can bring all the special powers and, yeah, you know, yeah. and, then, and they can bring the... Uh, the, the pure uh, grit and and you know strategic thinking. You can't overstate the importance of good. Um, well, I don't know if we put it to a vote. I always find it's good to promote combat and death. People seem to like that. No, um, no. I mean that is. Uh, yeah, obviously, I think that more people, at least in my kids' school, I'm noticing. And maybe it's not true all, all the way around. Maybe it's my fantasy for what could be. But there seems to be a little bit more of a respect. Um, at least more than you used to see uh, across kind of uh, county lines, so to speak, you know. And, um, 
And geeks, I think, have, have gotten the girl enough and have uh, solved enough problems and have, um, you know, created enough software that gets used by non-geeks that, uh, you know, I think that there's... If, if, I go, uh, if I get into trouble, I want at least two geeks on my team going into, going into battle. And yes, we have had enough of war, but the cool thing about and I, and I realized, I had this epiphany when uh, the first Gulf War, not the first Gulf War, but Operation Iraqi Freedom started, so not the Afghan War, but in 2003, um, during the Thunder Run into Baghdad, and I was at a convention in, might have been in, might have been in Chicago, might have been, no, you might, I can't remember which one we were at, might have been that one, I don't know, but anyhow, I remember walking in, actually it was, it might have been, I mean it was a massive hall that we were in, I mean tens of thousands of people were at this convention, and I looked at it, and I looked at the roof, and I, I mean, we just, all the news was raging. I almost didn't go to the convention because I thought, you know, maybe it was inappropriate to do that when American, you know, soldiers were going into battle and so forth. But uh, I remember thinking, like, this is what ultimately, um, you know, I mean, democracy, if it's worth fighting for democracy, it's to create a space. It's to create lots of room and space for people to do whatever they want. But in this context, it was to create a space where... You know, people could explore their imagination and feel safe and comfortable pretending to be whatever they wanted to be, and and uh, so I, you know. You triggered some serious, like you know, uh, world peace kind of feelings I had going on. Hadn't Sam seen enough of war? Well, Sam became mayor of Hobbiton there for several generations, so you know it's not without political. Uh, conflict, you know, which ales are going to be permissible and which quadrants of the Shire and whatever <laughs> what kinds of uh, laws they would have come up with. But uh, actually, he's probably a pretty popular mayor. So, yeah, I would think he's probably seen enough of war. But, you know, he might purchase, you know, on direct TV some WWF, you know, college football on geek, you know, deathmatch stuff, you know, as a harmless entertainment. <laughs> yeah. I heard that while filming Lord of the Rings, there was like some elf envy that um, the elves were always nice and clean and the rest of you were covered in dirt and grime and prosthetic seed. Not for me, I felt like we were tough. <laughs> now the elves were, they were tall and beautiful with their long flowing hair and they definitely didn't have to get as dirty. So, but elf envy, that would have been referring to something else that we shouldn't go into. <laughs> what, uh... Yeah, I had a good, had a good breakfast. What do you want from me? Um, I had Levenses. It's another hobby. Um, yeah, yeah, Elfenby. I remember we were filming. There's one great picture. One picture that's one of my favorite pictures of me and, and Elijah in um, in the woods. I'm trying to think of what woods they would have been. Lothlorien, probably not. What are the first woods they come to? Do you remember? Does anybody know how many Lord of the Rings like real? Geeks are there. There's the first woods they come to on their way to Bree. Anyway, and they hear, they hear the elves. Some of the elves are leaving, and there's a shot of the two of us looking at some of the elves leaving. And they, they, uh, you know, they had these tall, thin, uh, blonde hair, blue-eyed um, extras, actors dressed in long, flowing white, white clothes. And the way they'd done the lighting, it was sort of cutting through the trees, and they, they looked very ethereal, very they looked perfect. You know, they looked great, and. Uh, I think they were leading a white horse too, if my memory serves. Something like that. Anyway, you know, and then they say cut, and they're on this narrow path. 
and the wood's going this way, so then they have to figure out how they're going to turn all the elves around to get back over that way. Pretty funny. Um, yeah. So I know the hobbits love the elves, but people today, okay, somebody said to me, hey, where's Frodo? I said, Frodo lives, man. Frodo lives. It's all good. Frodo lives. He's okay. People are genuinely worried. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've done more panels at this, uh, at this convention than I've done at any other convention. And I was actually, I, got, I was given an award last night. Yes. Congratulations. Uh, I was given an award. Thank you. I don't know what it was for. I think it was for showing up. <laughs> um, but, but no, I mean, they had, uh, it, was, it was a lovely evening, a little banquet. And um, is, it, is it David Kelly? Is it David Kelly? Kyle. Kyle oh, David Kyle, sorry, David yeah. Kyle. Yeah. The uh, amazing science fiction yeah. and, uh, and science fact uh, figure who's in it, who had his, I think, 90th birthday last night? Yeah, his 90th birthday. And, and uh, they read what I'm sure were only some of his accomplishments and credits and, and it was pretty extraordinary how he had borne witness to uh, in a very direct way to a lot of the um, you know signature moments in development in space technology and so forth so and science fiction writing which uh, so that was pretty cool um, there's another writer there who was honored I don't know it was fun I think maybe one other convention if I was I sort of presented with an award but um, I'll take it home Put it on the, put the plaque out, and you know, my kids will think for a minute that I'm important. <laughs> it's, it's just cute. Uh, my six-year-old can probably read it now, so maybe oh. she'll be able to explain to me what it says. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just looking at your panels today. Couldn't make it, so I was wondering if you could give us a run by what your uh, three panels of politics and celebrities and the acting of sci-fi versus not were like. Um. Well, the the setting was a bummer. We were in this hotel. Like, I can't remember which the hotel was, but there was, there was a little stage that had been set up, and then in the middle of the room, kind of like right here in the middle of the room, was a massive pillar. And then you had chairs this way that went back into the darkness, and chairs this way went back into the darkness. And I found that it was like, I wanted to kind of get a flow going with everyone. I don't know how much it we achieved flow, but um, it's my favorite. Uh, I was really, really excited about the politics and acting one, because I've spent... Um, a lot of my adult life really excited about and actively um, invested in politics mm -hmm. and campaigning and governing and advocating and lobbying and all these kind of things. So, and I spent a lot of times at the conventions, you know, waxing poetic about our experiences on the set and what the characters mean and so But there's, I do have this kind of burning passion to connect those two. And, and I think I probably haven't done as much, um, I haven't completed the thinking that, you know, is out there for me to complete. And so I actually feel really selfish about a, a panel like that where I can go and, and interface with people who are, um, you know, curious and interested and, and use that to help facilitate my own thinking on it. And, you know, it's a little bit, um, it's interesting, it's sort of where the rubber meets the road because science fiction is when you're able to extend the ideas beyond their either socially acceptable boundaries or the immediately uh, you know, achievable goals. You may know that you know, we can colonize Mars, we have the basic technology, but we're not gonna do it like today. We might, you know, we could start, but um, so science, science fiction is that, it loves to, to um, push that boundary, but, but politics, you know, somehow 
kind of snaps you out of the uh, imaginative space. And it becomes, it's like opening the door to the car that you're driving. You're like, okay, there's actually a road going underneath us. It's going very fast, and if you fall, you can get hurt. And so, you know, to have someone who's, um, that people have enjoyed in a, in a science fiction fantasy context now talking about things that, you know, when they're not in a convention setting, they, you know, uh, and I, I suspect that conventioneers are, you know, for science fiction conventions, take their voting rights very seriously and are probably very active in their communities. That's just a guess, but it's my, it's my instinct. So to kind of click them out of that enjoyable space and get into a, well, you know, what happens if you make that transition, if you start thinking about, you know, um, being active and leveraging uh, celebrity for, um, you know, f for a political aim or political agenda. So I found it, um, it, it the thinking was in no way linear. <laughs> I, I hadn't, uh, I didn't present a kind of, um, you know, fully, um, you know, uh, realized message, but I think it was a, a dynamic exchange and sort of fun and you know people people are um, people are smart people are smart and not just smart in a in a way that they can in, in, a, in a in a fictional way people are smart and, and I, so that was refreshing not refreshing it wasn't surprising at all but it was it kept me on my toes so I like that and then the next one but I was sort of blurry by the time the next one started and it was where I don't know what the nominal topic was. The topics almost bleed away at a certain point when I'm up there. We just kind of go for it and people are, are talking about things and um, you know there are people who have basic questions of what was it like filming Lord of the Rings? And this is a question I've answered four trillion times. Mm -hmm. So and yet it, it's the first time they've asked it. So you want to you want to be able to you know honor the fact that they've come to your seminar and you're talking to them and at the same time I want to find some way to, to dig in a, in a more intricate way than I have before, or find out some nuance about you know what they might what they might be thinking about at that moment, and go in that direction, or tie it to you know the p political question or whatever. And, and uh, so that's always like a high wire act. But you know, the um, aside from the fact that I could barely like my v voice was tired by the end of it, um, I think they were I think they were good. It bummed me out that, uh, and I don't mean to say anything bad about the convention because this I actually think that this particular convention is. Um, is extraordinary for no other reason than in their literature, um, they really emphasize the importance of education and literacy, and I, I feel like that is um, it's something that I've appreciated, enjoyed, and talked a lot about for the last five and a half years that I've been doing convention stuff. But um, and and everybody knows, but to kind of identify that is something specific as a goal. So if kids want to come to a convention and parents read the, are doing their due diligence and read the literature, they can kind of think of it. You know, I mean, I hadn't thought of it that way before I started doing conventions. So to have somebody say, hey, this can actually be really educational for you and your kids. This can be a way to bond and connect. This can be a gateway to the literature, uh, you know, to, to, to reading uh, more. And, you know, so that, uh, so I love that. The one bum thing that I was bummed out about was these different campuses idea, because it took a long time to get from here to the other setting. And I think it, took, I think it meant that a lot of people who might have attended that didn't, uh, weren't able to, so. Yeah, that's what got my way. Yeah. So, you know, it's, listen, they, they, uh, it's big, they've been around for a long time, I'm sure they're going to figure out exactly how to do it, but, uh, and the, you know, the, the hall is great, they've got all those vendors set up there, um, you know, and it's, it's not, run, they're not underwritten by, you know, some, by Sprint or something, you know what I mean, so they do, they're doing what they can, and I appreciated that it, it had a very kind of institutional feeling between, um, interacting with the fans and the way that fans are. Different fans in different lines behave differently. 
and the way they were, everyone was very respectful, very patient. People waited for two hours to get pictures just because of the way the kind of line was set up and stuff. So you know that I thought that spoke well of the uh, of the convention. And then this this little banquet we had was really heartfelt. You know, they really cared about what they were talking about. So. Um, yeah, and then my brother judged the masquerade competition, so all things being equal. <laughs> it was Two minute warning. One minute warning? Two minutes. Two minute warning. Okay, so yeah. So were you saying that you actually harbor political aspirations? Or I've always harbored, I've never, I've, oh yeah, I've always wanted to, uh, well, you know what, I want to govern. I don't want to be in politics, but apparently if it's not a totalitarian <laughs> regime, you have to do one before you can do the other. So, but I don't know that it's likely for me anymore. I think, I, I, I always wanted to believe that I'd be a congressman or something. That's what I would have loved to have done, but I kind of feel like my my life and my talents and my you know I don't know I can't see life past getting my kids. Say again. Gopher did it from the love boat. Right? Gopher did it from the love boat. I was I thought he was, Chunk did it too. He was a student body president of uh, of Berkeley. Chunk for, uh, Jeff Cohen played Chunk in the Goonies. So um, so yeah, it's certainly possible. You know I the whole blood sport of it. The whole let me rip your family apart thing of it. Let's find out everything you might have done wrong in your life and, you know, choke you with it and hang you off a bridge. I kind of feel like, you know, if I thought I could win, I might run somewhere. Because I, I feel like whatever I do, I'd be, it'd be meaningful. I'd care about it. I'd be a good advocate for people. But, um, and, I, and the older I get, the, the, like I really, a few years ago when I, was, when I was thinking, well, this may be a time to do it, like right during the Lord of the Rings the, the height of it, I was thinking there's a popularity here. You could just put Sam for president or Sam for Congress and <laughs> probably, you know, get a few votes that way. But, but um, I, when I really started hanging out with congressmen and watching how they do it, it's, even if you're smart and totally well-meaning and, and you've got a lot of support, it's really hard. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to do it if I thought that if I got in there, I wouldn't be able to do it well. So, uh, so I, don't, I don't know. Hold on, let me get you had a question, right? Um, yeah, I, know, I heard that you just wrote a script. For a new movie. Yeah, yeah. About that. yeah. Um, so, can you just talk a little bit about it? I don't know if you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can talk about it. The um, it's Number of the Stars by Lois Lowry. Um, it's uh, it won, it's a Newbery Award-winning uh, book from I think it won in '89. That me and my friends actually had to read it. And, um, uh, Did you? Do you yeah. remember it? <laughs> it's about two Danish girls, about ten years old. And it was the Holocaust. It's the Holocaust. Anne Marie and Ellen. The girls, Ellen's Jewish. They live in the same apartment building. Emery's family is related to somebody who can help them. In what way? Do you remember? Um, How's he able to help them? Well, let's put it this way: Sweden, after you know some serious political maneuvering, agreed to take the Danish Jews. This is in 1943. But how are they going to get there? Remember? They couldn't walk. They were smuggled largely in fishing boats and other kind of things. So in the, in the book. You know, you're a lot of people. Usually, if I'd be sitting with Christine, my wife, and we're, we've got the book open at a table in a restaurant, you know, the waiter or waitress will say, Oh, I know that book. And they can't remember it at first. We'll start talking about it, and the memories come back to them. So it's been taught in middle schools, you know, for whatever, since 89. Um, yeah, it's a very beautiful story of friendship and bravery uh, between um, Anne Marie and Ellen, these two 10 year old Danish girls, one Jewish, one's Lutheran. And when the Nazis start to round up the Jews in Denmark, um, the Danish people, it's really an amazing story that's not known enough about how they, there was very, you know, there's a lot of resistance. Not a lot of resistance. They, they refused to let their Jews, the Danes refused to let their own citizens who happened to be Jewish get uh, relocated. And they, you know, they just evacuated them. And it was at much, you know, great personal risk to themselves. And 
So this book is uh, it's a story it's about these two kids and their friendship against that, that backdrop. So we've written the script. Now we're going to figure out how to get it made. Last question. Is there a role for you in that script? Or is it no, no part, no part for me. It's quickly as uh, there, there literally is no part. How is it working with Sir Ian McCallum and Sir Christopher Um. Because they're like legends. I mean, they yeah. Were, they were it, was, it was amazing. It was amazing. They were, they are, um, you know, and for totally different reasons. They both represent, I mean, Christopher, um, Christopher Lee is just a titan. You know, he's been around and done so much, and and uh, I got to have lots and lots of conversations with him. Actually, sat together and flew back to LA at one point with him, and and uh, really, yeah, it'd be impossible to encapsulate how great I think that guy is. And and um, and Ian McKellen, you know, for all of his, you know, Shakespearean street cred, you know, he's just funny and fun and kind of counterculture, and you know. Be careful what I say, but, but yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's it's amazing how cutting edge somebody who's old and classically trained can be. He's I was all constantly learning about you know things on the internet or things that were happening that he knew. And I, and I kept wondering if he like hired you know 20 year olds to give him that information or like how did he know that stuff? So you know, it was amazing, and they, they both wear dresses as well. All right, bye, everybody. On the go and want to watch us? With VidGoal Mobile, you can watch our series without using a computer. On your web-enabled phone, such as an iPhone or Blackberry, just go to vidgoal.com on your web browser.